This is the Bigger Pockets Podcast, show 86. You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Stay tuned and be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com, your home for real estate investing online. What's going on, everybody? This is Josh Dorkin, host to the Bigger Pockets podcast, here with my co host, Mr. Brandon Turner. What's up, Brandon? How much? How are you doing? I'm good, man. I'm good. It's, uh, it's good to have you here as my co host. Thank you. Thank you. I'm still on the road. I like, think last week was in, uh, North Dakota wasn't I, I think. And then this week now I'm actually in Minnesota at my sister's house. So if you hear little kids yelling in the background, that is why she's got four little ones. It's awesome. That's great. I love being an uncle. I love being an uncle. Yeah, yeah you're a good guy. You're a good guy, man. <laughs> it's, it's awesome. That's great. Well, listen, we've got uh, a really cool show today with Corey Binsfield, and we'll talk about that in a second. But, you know, all's well with us. Bigger Pockets is rocking and rolling. We just brought on a brand new community manager and lead editor, Allison Leung, and she's fantastic. And hopefully everybody will jump in on the forums and welcome her and greet her. She's rocking. So definitely say what's up to her. Otherwise, that's all I got for you. We're just working away, growing and making moves. Before we introduce Corey, let's get to today's quick, quick tip. All right, guys, today's quick tip is... Check out the Bigger Pockets tour. Uh, I, you know, we don't really tell a lot of people about this, and in fact, not a lot of people end up on this page, which is why we're trying to promote it here. But no, it's listen, it's a really good page. It's biggerpockets.com/tour. And if you're trying to figure out how the site works, if you don't really have a full understanding of everything that we offer, just go there, biggerpockets.com/tour, and you'll find out pretty much all you need to know about using the site. Uh, just, you know, kind of in broad strokes, what's available to you. So that is today's quick tip. Check out the tour and learn more. Hey, that rhymed. Wow, that's really good. You might think you want real estate, but that's not true. What you really want is passive income. With new investors struggling to find deals or get enough money to buy them and veteran landlords tired of the constant tenant phone calls, is there a better alternative? Actually, there is. Short notes from Connect Invest. Connect Invest is an online investing platform that allows you to easily participate in passive real estate investing, and all you need is $500 to start. Short Notes collectively funds a diversified portfolio of commercial and residential real estate projects across acquisition, construction, and development phases. You'll earn a fixed monthly income without the hassle of owning or managing real estate. Head to connectinvest.com BP to create your account. Fund your digital wallet with at least $500. Select from six, 12, and 24-month short notes with annualized return rates up to 9%. Then sit back and let your monthly returns roll in. Join today by visiting connectinvest.com VP. Connectinvest.com VP. What's better than low money down? No money down. Now through Rent to Retirement, you can buy a brand new construction turnkey rental property for no money down. Wait, hold on. This can't be right. We need to double check with Zach, Rental Retirement CEO. Oh, hey, Rob. Zach, how the heck are you selling turnkey rental properties for $0 down? <laughs> it's not that complicated, Rob. Rent to Retirement has new construction properties up to $20,000 below retail prices. We also have investor loans with rates as low as 3.99% and down payment options as low as 5% or sometimes even zero money down. You get all the cash flow, appreciation, and equity for as little as zero money down. That's an infinite return. Oh, wait, wait. Let me get on this before we tell it to the whole Bigger Pockets audience. Just head to renttoretirement.com. That's renttoretirement.com or text REI to 33777. That's REI to 33777 to learn more about how you can get started investing with no money down today. Get your next new construction property at a steep discount or invest with no money down. Head to rentoretirement.com today. Whether you're a seasoned real estate investor or you're just looking for your first opportunity, we all know that having a top-tier lender is one of the most critical things on your checklist. The thing is that many lenders overpromise and draw things out. But with Center Street Lending, you can say goodbye to the roadblocks and focus on making money. 
With over $5 billion in funded loans, 240-plus five-star Google reviews, seasoned loan officers, and white glove service, Center Street Lending provides smarter loans for residential investors and a fast track to success. Apply now at biggerpockets.com slash center street. That's biggerpockets.com slash center street. All right, guys. So let's let's bring him in. All right, Corey, welcome to the show, man. It's great to have you. It's amazing to be here. Great. Amazing. You, amazing. You listen to the show, right? I mean, you're, you're a fan. I have listened to every podcast. Awesome. Awesome. That's exciting. Big fan. I, I love having, I love having uh, you know, podcast guests on here because you know what to expect, kind of, but hopefully we can still throw some curveballs at you, hopefully. Uh, hopefully. What, hopefully. Uh, the one thing, you know, the, one of the reasons we wanted to bring you on today is because you started a, uh, I don't know what you call it, debate, a uh, <laughs> on bigger pockets in the past couple of weeks that's been kind of fun yeah so we'll, we'll I, get to that i'm sure today okay but all right. yeah it, i mean it, it was good debate is very very good so i think we uh, like debate we like we, we like we don't want listen the, the beauty of what we do is this there is despite what the gurus will tell you there is no one way to do anything right i totally agree there is no right way to uh, i mean there's approximately a right way <laughs> but there's not like a single way to to get anything done and there's room for different theories and different ways to go about doing things. And and I think that's one of the beauty, the most beautiful things about bigger pockets is we encourage that. We want, I want to hear your opinion and the opinion of 10 other guys with similar opinions so that the listener can then go or the reader could then go and make their own judgment on which path to take. There's not a single path to success in real estate. Yeah. Okay. All right, cool. Well, let's get into your background. Let's, let's right. talk about who you are, how you got started, what you do. So, you know, you are a real estate owner, you own property, you own uh, rentals. When did you start doing that and how did you get going? Okay. I started in 1998. I came back from San Francisco, moved back to my hometown after watching my brother make a lot of money in real estate. And I was a little bit envious as well as for <laughs> some other reasons. And I pretty much said, if my brother can do it, Anyone can do it. No. And so, I, know, I know. I got four brothers, so we don't know which brother it is. So this is perfect. Yeah. <laughs> You'll know. So it ends up that I spent, had to rebuild my business. You know, I was still growing a business at the time, but fortunately I was able to plunk it down in my hometown. And I knew that because cost of living is lower, smaller town, easier to buy real estate. I mean, you know how it is, Josh. You're from a big city trying to buy your first income property where I was living at the time, San Francisco, is just not going to happen. Yeah. 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 Now I could well, not in San Francisco, but you know, I mean, within, within an hour or two, there's certainly right. plenty. Now, I had an offer to get a property in San Francisco, but she basically said, marry me and you'll get all of this. And there was a saying from my dad that was just ringing in the back of my brain. It's like, if you marry a money, you earn it. And I was just like, yeah, I don't want to do it that way. So <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Let's, let's go back to that. So, <laughs> I mean, how much money are we talking here? If I would have married her, we would have inherited a lot. Well, well, not really inherited. Her dad was a huge real estate investor and he ended up moving to Hawaii. And, um, but he had this beautiful duplex up on Knob Hill and it was just, it was incredible. It's probably worth maybe one or $2 million. Wow. Gotcha. And that was like an extra property he had that was basically, <laughs> he was going to give to his daughter. They yeah, get her yeah. started out. So, yeah. so you didn't, but anyways, long, you didn't marry her. Super long. No, I didn't marry her, but she's a sweetheart. So if she's listening, which I doubt, she's a sweetheart. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nice. Okay. So you didn't do that. So what happened after that? You moved, is that when you moved to where you live right now? Yep, so I moved uh, to my back to my hometown, Duluth, Minnesota. Here Woo-hoo. and ended up Duluth. Um, Duluth. <laughs> hey, it was just voted number one city by Outside Magazine. Really, to live in. It is a great yep. city. I mean, I, I spent many a many a weekend up there in Duluth when I was growing up. I grew up in Minnesota, so you know, I wonder. Great I wonder city. if Bigger Pockets votes up a city. Like, if can I? Can Brandon and I just say, like, you know what? Vote up Podunk, Washington. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we're gonna just vote up. Podunk as and and I wonder if people will start quoting it. Hey, I live in Podunk. Oh, Podunk, that was voted the number one place by Bigger Pockets. That's a funny idea. I think yeah. you guys should do a vote on the best rental market in we America. Should. We should do yeah. that. We're just gonna we're just gonna decide, and, and yeah. it will be so. And we'll talk <laughs> yeah, we'll get a, we'll get a ton of press. You know, New York Times will publish Bigger Pockets says this is the best rental market in America. <laughs> Great. That's how I'm going to get my property sold. I'm going to sell. Yes. We're going to, yeah, we're going to make the market nationwide the best one. 
this is a great plan. Corey, this is amazing. So, Well, I'm hoping <laughs> this gets promoted so more people move into my town, they raise the prices, and then exactly, I can sell them. Exactly. Nice. That's how this is going to work. Isn't that like rigging price <laughs> rigging? Do we, oh, does that, that create an unfair advantage? I don't Josh, know. Josh, that's the beauty of real estate. You can price rig. Yeah. Oh. There you go. It's not like the yeah. stock market. Let's right? not go there. Okay. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. Actually, that's the advantage of real estate. It's not a regulated market when you think about it. Yeah. It's have high barriers of entry. Sure. And because of that, it's not as liquid as a market. Right. And I mean, anyone can buy real estate, but there's sure. not you know, the SEC coming down your back saying you can't do that. Oh, well, that's not completely true. But I mean, SEC can come in if, if you're doing things that violate the SEC. And, and, well, and you can if, do that in property. You can certainly yeah, do if it. If you're raising capital, yeah, that's yeah. a totally different animal. Yeah. All right. So let, let, let's get back. Let's get back, yeah, back to we you. <laughs> we, we lost, you know, this whole thing. So this woman and then she's going to give you millions and you say, you know, ah, I don't want to marry you. I want to work hard and, and, and marry somebody else, which is good because marrying for love is certainly the way to go. Because, That's you, right. know, I, you know, if, if somebody had walked up to me and said, hey, when you marry me, you'll be a multimillionaire. I, too, would have probably turned them down because I, I <laughs> do something like that. I'm an idealist, Josh. Oh, man. Oh, man. All right. So. What was your what was your first deal? How'd you how'd you I, jump in? First deal was she was my fiance at the time. And I had been studying on real I've been studying real estate for years. And my first deal was a crappy triplex. It was a for sale by owner. And I called called up uh, you know, there's a phone number posted on this property, and I just called the guy up and said, Hey, how much you want for the property? And he says, Hey, bring a 12 pack of beer and we can talk. And so I ran to the liquor store, got a 12 pack and literally drove up to his house and we sat down and did the deal on a napkin and drank beer. And then after I was pretty buzzed, I drove home and told my fiance, we just bought a property. Oh, jeez! And the next day I rushed to the lawyer's office and I said, is this legit? I go, I have it in writing. It's on a napkin here. And he's like, well, yes, but let's see if he follows through on it. And that was my first deal. Wow. So you did the deal on a napkin. You drank and drove. What else did you do wrong <laughs> yeah. in, this, in this first deal? Oh, I didn't tell my fiance what property we bought. Oh. That, okay. And you bought a property <laughs> without talking to the boss. Exactly. <laughs> gotcha. So, you know, check, 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 check. Don't do that, That didn't folks. go over too well, by the way. Yeah, yeah I can I imagine. All right. I, so, go I ahead. brought it over to the property. I put my arm around her. You guys ever see a family vacation, the Griswolds? Of uh, course. National, National Lampoon. Okay, Bra- uh, so. Brandon, do you know what National Lampoon's vacation is? I know what it is. I'm just checking. I got you. I'm, I'm a child of the 80s. Okay. Sort of. So I'm feeling like <laughs> Chevy Chase. You know, I put my arm around my wife's shoulder. I go, honey, we're going to be rich. We just bought this property. And she just starts bawling. I mean, there's <laughs> everywhere. And I am so stupid. I go, oh, honey. And I give her another hug. I'm like, those are tears of joy, right? And she violently shakes her head back. She's like, no. <laughs> and that was my first deal. So, wow. so what, what do the numbers look like? It's this, it was like this ugly triplex. That, I mean, was it falling apart? How much work did it need? What did it the- wasn't falling apart, but it was pretty nasty. I okay. mean, I got it for 5000 down. Speaking of IRAs, I took 5000 out of my IRA. And I was able to do it through a first-time homebuyer exemption. So it was penalty-free. And then I got it on a contract for deed for like 35000 I think. And I had to pay it off over 10 years. How long ago was this? This was back in 1998. 98. If you were listening, you would have heard that. But yeah. Um, <laughs> I was doing my nails. I'm sorry. <laughs> clearly. So, all right. So this triplex as a first-time homeowner, presumably you bought this to live in one of these exactly. units. I lived in one unit and then I went to Home Depot, bought a big orange book and said, okay, I'm a handyman. Nice. And I had no clue what I was doing and I started fixing it up. That is a great book, by the way. That is exactly is? that is exactly how I the orange book. Yeah, the orange book from Home Depot. I bought that. Yeah. Bought my first house. Went to Home Depot. Got the book, and I was a handyman. That's the funny. The problem was my wife knew I wasn't a handyman. <laughs> <laughs> I so, was so did the tenants move in later? <laughs> yeah, I have a job. I'm wearing a suit, you know, and a suit and tie, and everyone thinks 
Corey, Mr. Professional. And it's like, that dude can't fix anything. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, so you, well, now I wasn't listening. So yeah, I mean, what was, what was the final purchase price? 30. It ended up, it was, let me think about this now. 5,000. Oh, it was 39,000 was the final price. Okay. 5,000 down. $34,000 contract fee. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. So 39K, you're living in one unit with, with your wife who's, who's yes. you know, choking you. And yes. the other two units, you that they were uh, presumably unoccupied when you first purchased it? Yep. I had to bring in new tenants. I rented this, the basement apartment, which I'll never buy a property with a basement apartment ever again. Okay. I rented that to a buddy of mine. Okay. And then the upper unit was a two bedroom and I just put an ad. Well, back then they didn't have Craigslist. So I put an ad in the newspaper. All right. So you did what Brandon likes to call house, house hacking. Yeah, exactly. And Brandon, I, you wrote an article on house hacking, didn't you? Why don't, why don't you talk about that really quick? All right. I wrote an article on it. So <laughs> All right, no, I guess nice. show eight, six yeah, on the show. Notes, we'll have a link to this. It, it's called, yeah, it's called how to ha- hack your housing and get paid to live for free. <laughs> and it's the same idea you're talking about. You buy a small multifamily, live in one of the units, rent them out. It's a good way to jumpstart your investing business. And yeah, we'll link to it at biggerpockets.com slash show 86. Read it. And uh, anyway, what are your thoughts on that, Corey? I mean, would you do that again? Do you recommend people do that? Do you think that's crazy? What are your thoughts? House hacking. Josh Josh is going to laugh. Brandon, I think you'll agree with this. Okay. I'm still house hacking. I am. Good. Really? But now I live in a really nice duplex in a really nice neighborhood. And you're not and right. like 20 years old anymore. You're, you're a slight. No. I mean, you've got I'm a older. years older. I mean, yeah. And you're, that's, that's great. I've got a birthday next week, guys. I'll just say it. I'm 50. I'm going to be 50. I'm He's 50. 50. <laughs> 50 years Woo-hoo. old. All right. So you're 50 years old. <laughs> you've been house hacking since 1998. And. Yep. I don't have a problem with that. I, I wouldn't do it today because I got lots of little ones running around and, you know. Well, I have two kids. I know where you're coming from there. But it's a big house. Yeah. So. All right. I mean, so you don't. You, everyone has. I'm, I'm, I'm not judging you. I, yeah, I right. think it's awesome. I think house hacking rocks and, and being able to offset your own expenses by, by having your home be a rental property is fantastic. Yep. And obviously, my, now my wife is now my ex-wife, and oh. she never never agreed with the house hacking concept. You so. should have gone with the rich chick, man. Yeah, <laughs> I think guys uh, listen to the boss because <laughs> she has to be yep. in on your strategy. Well, and I think that's a really important point, there, right? So, like a lot of people tell me they want to house hack, they want to do that, but their their wife, fiance, girlfriend, whatever, doesn't want to. They don't like don't do it. it exactly. And I would, don't yeah, do I, would it. I would say, yeah, don't do not it then. do it. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Hey, Corey, can we jump back to something you were just talking about? You had talked about never, never, never wanting to rent a, uh, to have a house with a basement. Let's talk about why you would not want to own such a property. Okay. Not with a basement, but a a basement rent. No, basement apartment. Yeah, yeah. Okay. What I have found is a basement, basement apartment attracts a certain type of tenant. Creepy people? Not really. It's creepy <laughs> or people that are going through a really tough time in their yeah. life. Yeah. Okay, I'll say creepy. They're cave dwellers. They're just like, <laughs> they're weird. They're like gamers that stay up all night and, it's, and drink lots of Mountain Dew, you know? I mean, it's just like, <laughs> it's like, wow, go for it, guy. Are you making and, fun of me, Corey? I don't know. No, but, but the big <laughs> I live in the basement. <laughs> as a landlord, I'm all about ease of management. Yeah. And I found the basement dwellers, that place has a, the turnover is nuts. You're constantly re-renting it. Yeah. Interesting. Because if you live in a basement, you meet a girl, the girl goes, I'm not dating you. You live in a basement. Yeah. So then the guy moves, you know, or vice versa. Gotcha. Well, I, actually, I never had a girl live in a basement. So there you go. Interesting. I've never, wait, yes, I have, but they left. Yeah, I have one basement apartment yeah. right now. It's kind of like a, it's like a daylight basement. Uh, it's the okay. one that Ben Leibovich, people remember back I don't know what episode. Last time we had Ben Leibovich on the show. Was that we, Waldo? Yeah, Waldo, right? So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we talked a lot about this property I was buying. It was a triplex. I got it for $70,000. Big, ugly, purple thing. And uh, he called it Waldo because it stood out. Like, you know, it was ugly and I don't know. Um, I have a basement apartment there. Ironically, out of the three units, we need to do another show with Ben at some point and do like a year oh, yeah. later. I love on, Ben. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we need to do like a year later on how this property turned out. But here, it's great it's a, I still swear it's a great investment. That said, I've had two evictions on that property out of three tenants we've had in there. And uh, 
the basement apartment is the only one that hasn't given me an eviction yet. The other two units hold have it. Really? Hold, yeah. hold on, I'm gonna I'm gonna do this just for my buddy Ben. <laughs> I I told you so. No, that's a terrible <laughs> Russian accent. Oh, this is Ben. I told you so. No, okay. no, here, here's a Ben. How cool is that? <laughs> I love that. I love oh, that. Ben. We, yeah, so, I love that. Uh, yeah. So, By ben, the way, I ben bought was, his course. Oh, he did you? Teach an old dog new tricks. Yeah. All right. There you go. So, okay. Ben said that the basement, he said the exact same thing, that basement apartments, because they're weird, because houses like that attract the wrong type of people. So I will, I will concede that you and him are correct in that. Uh, I still don't regret buying the property, but I do recognize that the people that we've attracted, uh, have been difficult. And I, I blame that on the fact that I didn't rehab it before moving them in. I thought, well, right. you know, it's ugly right now. I'll paint it in the summertime. We'll make it look nice in the summertime. Well, that was a mistake because the only people we attracted were people okay with a big, ugly purple thing. Today looks beautiful. Both tenants are gone. It's beautiful. We're getting it re-rented right now. So, but it's been a, nice. it's been a, what, nine month stabilization process. And uh, that's so what is this show about, is this show about you or it is about talking me. to Corey? Yeah, I mean, okay. seriously. All right. Gosh, People want to know. People want to know. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. continuing drama or saga. Anyway, all right. All right. Back to you. Okay. So first property, 98, and then it was a grind. It took me probably another two years to get the next property. Okay. And fortunately, my wife moved into the next one with me, and she's getting a little antsy. So I bought a nicer duplex. Lived in that one. And then from there, I started leapfrogging. I would buy, hold, refi, cash out, and then go into the next one. And my goal at the time was I just wanted 10 duplexes and I'd be set. That was my theory at the time. Yeah. Kind of like a John Schaub or whoever that guy is. Yeah. You know, buy one house at a time and you get 10 homes. And I said, forget homes. I want duplexes. Yeah. And I'd have 20 units within 10 years. And that's how I got started. So did, so you, you, hit bought- that, did you hit that goal? Yes. Okay, gotcha. how, how many do you have now? How many units total? I'm up to 97 now. Ooh, okay. That's nice. Gotcha. So you're at yeah. 97 units. Um, you know, really, really quick, a couple of things. So are you, are you self-managing or do you have yes. a manager? I set up my own management company. Okay. So you're doing that, you know, 100% you? Yes. Okay. You have any employees or anything ha- like that? Yeah, I've got, basically I have like 1099 part-time employees. Okay. Gotcha. And gotcha. they handle everything. Okay. I'm like so, the conductor of the orchestra. So. Got it. So, so 97 units and you're working a job as well, correct? I mean, yes. and it's not only a job, but it's your own business, right? Right. So yep. you have your own business and you're doing all this. So, you know, I guess I can't, uh, I, I can't really complain anymore about me not being able to acquire new units because, you know. It's... Oh, Josh, when you complain <laughs> about being a business owner, oh, you know what? <laughs> it just goes right over my head. I'm like, really, Josh? Come on. <laughs> All right, yes. no, but ninety-seven. You have to work on Christmas, Josh. I'm sorry, your uh, employees want the day off. I know. There it's you crazy. go. Let's see, look at that. That's crazy. They get the day off. How about and that? Give, give Brandon a raise. There. Oh, this is a good guy. I like this. Wow. <laughs> wow. Wow. Really? Really? Like? Okay, I'll give you your twenty get... bucks later, Corey. We'll... Listen. All right. Perfect. Listen. All right. So ninety-seven <laughs> units is not an insignificant number to be self-managing, acquiring new ones. And running a business on the side. I I mean, how do you do it? Yeah. In the beginning, I was working my tail off. I wouldn't recommend this to most people. But if you are passionate and you say, you know what? Because I'm the type of guy, I'm like, when I do something, I'm all in. I used to be a former airborne ranger. So in the rangers, they taught us, you don't just go, you don't go into it. You go 110% on anything you do. And so my theory was, I'm not going to buy one or two properties and be happy. If I'm going to do this, I want to turn it into a steady income stream and I'll be set for life. And that's pretty much what I did. But going back to your comment, Josh, there, I always work in 12, 14-hour days. Yeah. You know, you get off work and then throw on some grubby clothes and all of a sudden you're playing landlord and handyman and showing places and you got an old beat-up truck and, you know, you're just, you're working it. Yeah, yeah. Well, so it's not easy, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. You, you said you don't generally recommend that, you know, having to having the power through like that necessarily. Um, you know, the thing that stands out to me is that it shows that you were willing to hustle, right? Like, if you want something bad enough, you'll you'll work at it to get it. And uh, you know, I know people from time to time say, "I want to get into real estate, but I don't want to do this or that or this or that or whatever." Uh, right. You know, but I mean, then how bad do you really want it? Is kind of what I what I like to tell people. Like, do you really want it? You don't. Yeah, you know, I want a rental property, but I don't like to actually do any work. 
and I don't have any money and I don't want to do anything and I don't want to. I'm like, okay, well, you know, something's got to I totally agree. You've got to pick your goal and you just have to say, I'm going to complete it. And failure is not an option. That's the other thing I learned in the army, you know? And so. Gotcha. Cool. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. So power through, hustle. Uh, creative finance failure is not an option creative finance snowball method i mean we got a we got a lot of things happening here to, <laughs> to kind of get from one place to the next um i've had every loan out there josh well that's great i want i want to hear about it so so you had this this first property the first duplex you know you got the first homeowners um okay that was a contract for deed the first one yep. so the second one was a fha first time home buyer i got in for like three and a half percent down something yep. ridiculously low and then I don't know why I was thinking about this, but for some reason I thought I couldn't get a VA loan on a duplex. And then one day I'm talking to my banker, he goes, get a VA loan. So then I bought my primary residence with a VA loan. And the whole time I kept buying more and more properties, you know, doing the side hustle. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's, uh, you know, I think we've, we've talked about VA stuff Briefly, so I and maybe we could really glance over it. I know we did a show with James Vermillion, and I thought that was a really, really great show. I don't remember which show number it was, but he, uh, I, f- I feel like he was in the Air Force. Uh, James, a good guy. I think he was the Air Force. Was, was like there? New Mexico? He's down there somewhere. Uh, or? Man. No, he's in the South. He's okay. in the South. But, Kentucky, but, I think, or something. yeah. Anyway, anyway, so v- VA loans are for veterans, obviously. Right. Um, and, and maybe, you know, for any veterans that might be listening, maybe you could kind of, you know, give the goods on how a VA loans, VA, how, oh man, how a VA loan <laughs> works. And is there any advantage to that with, as it comes to um, income rental estate? Uh, oh, geez, I can't talk today. Okay, income now, real estate. <laughs> let me make a little disclaimer. I'm not a mortgage broker. Yep. Okay. But at the time when I got mine, I found out I could buy either a single family duplex, triplex, or fourplex. So if I were to have to do it all over again, I would have used a VA loan to buy, let's say, a fourplex and hack my house. Yeah. Now you have to live in the house. So it's like a first-time home buyer loan you okay. know, with FHA. You have to live there. But there's nothing stopping you from, let's say you buy a, you know, a decent single family and you want to rent it out down the road. You want to you know, leapfrog into a nicer home. Yeah. You, know, you buy that and just because there's a VA mortgage on it doesn't mean you can't rent it out. Yeah. You just have to live there a couple of years and then say, oh, I'm moving. I'm getting a big house because I just had, you know, two or three kids. I need a bigger place. So I can you? I was going to say, I think a lot of people don't realize that is that you, you don't have to, when you move out of a property to rent it, you don't have to get a new loan. And maybe that's basic exactly. to, yeah, it's probably basic to us, but maybe we don't say that enough. Like, yeah, that's just, yeah, people I think are confused by that. And so. Well, yeah. here's another thing I don't people realize about the VA loans. You can use them more than once. That was going to be my follow-up question. Yeah, for I, didn't, yeah. I didn't know that. So I used the VA loan twice to buy two separate properties. And to this day, one of the duplexes that I moved into still has the VA loan on it. And now is a VA loan, do you get close to that three and a half percent or or how does the VA Oh my God, it's ridiculously cheap. It's almost zero down. Okay. Including closing costs. Now you'll still pay, you know, something in closing costs, but the 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 interest rate on the mortgage is wonderful. Yeah. You know, it's low. Yeah. And it takes I think my last VA deal was like a two hundred thousand dollar duplex. I probably got into it for five thousand bucks. Well, why why not? If you, I mean, you have ninety seven doors. Probably, I'm going to guesstimate thirty to fifty properties. Why why not use VA loans on all of them? Uh, you can only use it once, and it has to be your primary residence. Like once at a time, and then once you sell that loan or refinance it, you can get another one, right? No, you have to live there in the well, property. Yeah. So but you live in the property, but then you can move. Can, can you then acquire the new property with a VA loan saying, I'm moving into this new property? You could, and you could keep moving into new property. Yeah, that was, but okay. I found like the last time I did it, my banker said, hey, I need a letter stating why you're moving because they're not just going to let you move with this loan. Okay. So it's, not, so, so it's not as simple as it sounds, you know, just getting one after no. that. There's, there's a process. Now, and a good loan officer will tell you how it works. Okay. You know? But that, so, that was my big aha moment. It's like, hey, I can use my VA loan again to get into something at basically, you know, almost nothing down, like a Robert Allen deal. 
Now, can anyone can anyone get a V? I mean, you would need to be a veteran, presumably, but right. would you just get it from any mortgage broker? Or do you have to go to a specialized VA broker of some sort? I would say all the mortgage brokers can do them. Okay. I mean, they have to be approved, but most mortgage brokers can do VA loans. Okay. So I just went to like a big bank. That's where I got mine. Okay. Just, I guess to anyone listening, ask around, ask if they do VA loans, if you're a veteran and if they can't, then they can't. You move on to the next banker and maybe they could help you out. Exactly. All right. So let's go, I guess, talk, now we're talking about financing. So you've done VA, you've done FHA, you've done owner, you know, carry back. What, how are you financing them today? I mean, with 97 units, most people are like, oh, I have four properties. I'm done. How did you get over that? And what are you doing today to buy properties? Okay, today, well, what happened was because I got that VA, right now I have 11 conventional mortgages. So 10 conventional plus this VA. Okay. So I was shut out of the market. And that was probably one of the most frustrating experiences I ever had. So that's when I said, I have to go into multifamily. And that's where I built a relationship with a number of local banks, you know, like regional banks. I didn't have to go to a Walmart store to, you know, like Arthur. Or <laughs> I didn't have to find a bank there, but. I was able to work my network and they said, hey, go talk to this guy. And that's when I took, you know, I, I basically 10x the portfolio and said, I want to go to multifamily. That's my next level. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of like the after 10 duplexes, I said, what's next? And I said, you know what? I like being a landlord. I like this business. So I'm going to multifamily next. And that's what I did. That's cool. That's cool. Um, so are you, when you go to those banks, are you typically putting down like a 20, 25% down payment? Or are you raising money for any of that? Is it just your own cash? How do you do it? No, it's all my own cash. Once again, I'm pretty conservative. I've, I've got to learn how to work a partnership because <laughs> I'm deathly afraid of partners from watching my father and my other brother in a partnership. And that brings up a whole host of issues, investing with family, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. I'm not going to go there. But the bottom line is, I think the best saying is the toughest ship to sail is a partnership. I mean, and... So I just said, no partners. I'm just going to do this on my own. Basically, my favorite deal is this. I put down 10%. The seller carries 20%. And the bank's only in for 70%. Okay. And that, that's worked out. I mean, our bank's usually okay with that. Like they've been fine. You got to have a good relationship with the bank. You have to have a proven track record. But most banks, they love it because they're only at risk for 70%. Yeah. The seller's got a note for 20%. You know, And I just come up with the 10% through cash flow. Have you had a hard time finding people to agree to the 20% uh, second mortgage? Um, and the multifamily, no. It's pretty commonplace yeah. that the seller's going to carry something. Do you mind me asking, like, how, how big, like, what's your largest property, like, number of units? Uh, my biggest one is a 13 unit. Okay. Gotcha. So I've got a total of, I think, 29 properties. Okay. So gotcha. Gotcha. So I got, like, six plexes, eight plexes, stuff like that. Okay. Know? So I, I was going to ask, you had talked about this aversion to partnerships and you've got on the show, Brandon, who is like the king of partnerships who pretty much <laughs> won't do a deal unless it's with a partner. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think it'd be kind of fun to, to hear why, why are you so averse and, and, you know, maybe, Hey, maybe we can help you out here. We can all come together and work together. You know, call me old fashioned. I'm afraid to lose someone's money. Yeah. yeah. But if the deal goes sour. Yeah. I don't want to be the guy that said that guy lost me a hundred thousand bucks. Yeah. He's an idiot. Yep. You know? Yeah. And and also because of my other job, I have to be really careful. I can't I can't go I can't go talk to other people, say, hey, give me a hundred grand. We're gonna go do a you know a 30 unit apartment building. Yeah. So that makes gotcha. sense. So okay. I I mean I'm the exact same way. Honestly, I wouldn't use partners probably if I didn't, you know, need to use partners, right? I mean, it would be much easier right. if I just always had my own money be able to do that. So I kind of like the idea of you're talking about the, the 10, 20, 70 kind of loan. Uh, and if I, as I get more into multifamilies, larger properties, I might look into that more. Uh, but I, I do like the idea of a partnership in that it shares some of the level of responsibility, right? Like, but I have that fear always, like, what if I lose their money? And that's why I, you know, I'll only buy a deal that's an incredible deal. I'm not going to buy anything that's even mediocre, right. right? But still, there's always that risk. There's always that risk. And I don't always sleep well because of it. <laughs> <laughs> now, on the flip side, I think if you spell out the terms, you got some. Let's go back to the IRA example. Okay. I'm not opposed to taking IRA money and using that as a partnership interest. You know, someone's earning 1% or 2% in their IRA because it's stuck in a CD, you know, 
hey, that person could loan you the downstroke. You create a promissory note within the IRA. That's really easy to manage, by the way. That I could see as an IRA for. And you might be helping out a friend or family member that, you know, it just can't get a high return on their own. And so you're going to help them out. I could see some of that, you know. Yeah. yeah. I so personally what, can't do it, but I could see other people doing that. We're always looking for ways to improve, searching for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for better is by matching with quality candidates. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BiggerPockets. Just go to Indeed.com slash BiggerPockets right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash BiggerPockets. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, real estate investors, whether you're a pro or you're just starting out, having a top-notch lender is crucial. That's something we can all get behind. And if you're tired of lenders over-promising and causing delays, Center Street Lending has your back. They have over $5 billion in funded loans, 240-plus five-star Google reviews, and experienced loan officers offering white glove service. With all that, they make lending a breeze. Center Street Lending provides smarter loans for residential investors, fast-tracking your path to success. Are you ready to make it happen? You can apply now at biggerpockets.com slash center street. That's biggerpockets.com slash center street. Every lender loves to talk about how easy it is to get a mortgage. Then when it's time to fund your next deal, they ask for your full financials, your blood type, your mother's famous spaghetti recipe, and a map to the fountain of youth. Sound familiar? You got all that handy, right? Why not switch to a lender who actually makes qualifying for a loan easy? A lender like Host Financial. Host Financial takes the tedious tax returns, endless W-2s, and time-consuming financial requests out of the picture. Their light dock and common sense underwriting guidelines mean frictionless transactions every time. You'll even be able to use the actual or projected income of the short-term or long-term rental you're looking to purchase or pull equity out of. That's what lending built for investors looks like. So take the next step and grow your portfolio faster. Visit hostfinancial.com to request a quote in as fast as 60 seconds, which is faster than this ad. If not, it's pretty close. That's host, H-O-S-T, financial.com. Again, that's host, H-O-S-T, financial.com. So what what is your buying criteria then? I mean, let, let's... Let's kind of go back. You've got 20 something plus units and you know, you've been financing it various ways other than partnerships. Uh, but what are you buying? What makes you, you know, are they all in, in your prox- in proximity of one another? Is there a sp- specific number oh, I see per door that you're looking for? Are they ugly beat, beat up units that have low vacancy, high vacancies that you're looking to turn around? What, what are you aiming at? Okay, number one, it has to be in my what I call my strike zone. Okay. So or my or my target zone. So it's like it has to be within basically, I'd say five miles of my house. Okay. Okay. And I'm in a college town, so I have a lot of choices when I'm driving to work. I can drive down different streets, I can see different properties. So it has to be in the zone. And then number two, there has to be some kind of distress. It could be um, you know. The city's shutting them down because their rental license doesn't expire. They're a terrible landlord, so they have really bad tenants in there. Or they're just a tired landlord, and they're fed up with dealing with you know tenants, taxes, and toilets. And so, yeah. yeah, which I think there are a lot of those. So I mean. I, I'd call them value plays, basically. Yeah. That's my classic one is a value play. Say, so. you mentioned, well, a couple of questions. One, you mentioned a college town. Uh, I get that question from time to time on bigger pockets than other places. They want to yep. know, should I invest in a college town? And I've never done it. I mean, I got a community college in my area, but that's it. Uh, I guess, what are your thoughts on investing in a college town? What are the difficulties? What are the good things? And, uh, and then more specific, what do you do 
I mean, I know my friends who went to, to school in Duluth. I wouldn't rent to them, right? So, like, how do you handle that? Um, it sounds like we've Brandon, got some stories. Brandon, did you have any <laughs> friends that were in the TKE fraternity, the Teeks? I, I don't think so. Did they rent your place? Um, I'm a, I actually own a frat house. Oh, okay. Oh, nice. So, and there's nine kids in there. So, but here's, here's my general philosophy. I love college towns. I love college kids because they can get loans from the government to pay their rent. Ah, interesting. And it's amazing. Don't get me going on college education, but here's my deal. I do not like how these poor kids can go so deep in debt to basically finish off a college education. And I see that, you know, with some of these college kids, they're paying their rent with college loans. And some are really frugal and others are just, they got nice cars and they are going nuts. See, but, I, but, but I don't think that's the worry of the landlords or the folks. No, who, it is. So I think the I worry agree. is, is the government going to give them a loan to pay for the damages that they caused <laughs> from the kegs <laughs> and the parties that they have at their college rental? Well, you can throw overlays like on any lease agreement. And as long as you enforce it and they know that you're going to enforce it, that's the key, then you're going to be fine. Because 80% of tenants are awesome, including college kids. Yeah, It's the 20% that give you all the trouble. So how do you, how do, you do that? How do you show a college kid or anybody else that you're going to enforce uh, your lease and that you're, going to be, you're not going to put up with BS? I'm basically really firm and I'm really polite. And if there's any lease violation, let's just do something real simple. Let's say I've got a duplex and I see a couch on the porch. I'm going to send them a text and say, hey, there's a couch on the porch. According to the lease, no indoor furniture outside. If you don't move it, I'm going to fine you. It's that simple. And if they don't, then I fine them. Yeah. So basically, you have to be, I don't want to say I'm heavy handed. I'm just saying, look, you, I tell these kids, you got neighbors, have fun, but no big parties. And if I get calls from the neighbors, we're going to have a talk. And if we can't work it out, then I'll be calling your parents and then we'll have a talk. (laughs) And if that doesn't work out, then we'll be calling the police. Because we have like a three strike and you're out policy in this town. Nice. Against college party, you know, party houses, stuff like that. Gotcha. Gotcha. So what about the fact that kids go to college for nine months out of the year and they have three months off? Do you require one year leases then or do you just have empty summers? Everyone's a one year lease. Everyone has a strict background check. And I I treat them like any other person. So do you ever make the parents co-sign? What I do is I have a letter of guarantee, and if the, if the student has terrible credit, then I'll basically co-sign, or if they can't show proof of income. So a lot of these kids will show me like a, you know, a financial aid award letter, and I can basically go off of that. Gotcha. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. And interesting. Okay. Well, so I'm just curious. So you own a frat house. Is that, um, presumably that's considered, that's one of the rentals that you have. You said there's seven seven kids living in so is that like do you consider that seven units or whatever it is no that's actually it's a triplex okay but i've got nine kids living there and okay. so they treat it as like one residence gotcha. gotcha because there's a law or there's a rule now in this town the city council implemented said you can have no more than six people in a single family house yeah gotcha. so if they're not related yeah. Okay. Yep. Yep. That makes sense. Now, do you, sure. do you look for a certain cash flow amount when you're buying these properties? Like, do you say, I want $100 per unit or I want a 10% return on investment? What do you, what do you look oh, for I when see. buying them? Every house has to cash flow right from the beginning. So, typically, you know, in the beginning, I was shooting for like 200 a month um, cash flow after all expenses. Make sure you get all the expenses in there. Yeah. Okay. Is that per unit or and, total? Um, you wanted a couple hundred. On a duplex, I always wanted 200 minimum. Oh, and then if I could get higher, okay. that would be nice. So let's say 100 per door. Yep. Okay. Okay. These days, I'm a lot pickier and I'm shooting for a lot higher amounts. Smart. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. It's and just I- in the beginning, I didn't know what I was doing. So <laughs> I learned the hard way, put it that way. Yep. So where are you finding these deals? Are you finding them just driving through town or are you finding these? Are you doing marketing or do you have an agent who, who uh, you know, calls you? How, how do you find the properties that you're acquiring? You know, I've used like 10 agents in this town and no one will call me and say, hey, Corey, I got a deal for you. I don't understand. It's like these <laughs> agents. Why don't you work with me? So I've yeah. had to find everything on my own. What does that mean? Um, no MLS. You know, in the beginning, I used the MLS. Now I knock on doors. I go to the courthouse. I look up records. Okay. I see a house that I know is a rental, 
and you can tell they're not taking care of it, I'll call up the landlord and say, hey, you ever consider selling? Give me a shout. Yeah. So, okay. And then the other thing I do is I mow a lot of my own lawns for exercise. I figure instead of going to the gym, I'm going to mow my lawns. Interesting. And I've probably, I've probably picked up maybe eight properties just from mowing lawns. Talk about that. What, how, how, I mean, I, listen, I, I've mowed my lawn. I, I stopped. I, I'm glad <laughs> I stopped. That was a happy day. But I, you know, since, since I, while mowing, I rarely uh, picked up rental properties as a result. So, so tell me about that. I love mowing. I listen to the Bigger Podcast, Bigger Pockets Podcast. And uh, that is better than the Bigger Podcast because yep, I, I got my, those, those guys are real. I got jerks. my noise canceling headphones on. And, but what I do is, it allows me to see the property, make sure my tenants are taking care of it, and meet the neighbors. And in one scenario, I picked up uh, four properties on the same block. I call it, I call it pod vesting. You want to get three properties per block. It's interesting. And so if you have three properties and if you have a maintenance call, you can go to all three. If you have a showing, you can show them all three, you know, various units. And so just through mowing, I was able to basically create my real estate pods, if mm-hmm. you will. And that's just and, through the relationships of, of the people yep. in the community. Meeting the neighbors or, you know, one time I lost. Josh, you remember the, the Palm Trio? The Palm Trio? Listen, the dude, I, I'm not like 50 years old. Okay. Uh, I, I, don't I, 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 know, I know what the Palm was. I used I to have... Know, I don't think Brandon knows I don't the even Palm know what you're talking. I have no palm idea. Pilot. It was a Palm Pilot. Okay. okay I I no yeah, it, I was, just, it was pretty much the iPhone before the iPhone. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Okay. I, here's a classic example of this. So I'm mowing my lawn. I lost my Palm Pilot. It fell out of my pocket. And so I get a call the next day because on the Palm Pilot, what happens is it locks out and you can put a message on the screen that says, if found, call this number. Guy calls me up. He goes, hey, I got your Palm Pilot. So I go over to his house and I give him 50 bucks, say, hey, thanks. You know, just as a bonus. And we start talking and he goes next and he goes, Hey, by the way, next door, that guy's probably going to sell. I'm like, what are you talking about? It was a beautiful sixplex. I go, well, what's the name of the landlord? So sure enough, all of a sudden I'm talking to the landlord. He wants to sell. And I pick up a six unit property on a contract for deed. So just by mowing that little yard, I probably picked up, you know, a couple hundred thousand in equity That's you know, awesome. over, you know, over time. Well, yeah. this just goes to the, my point that I like to make a lot is that like you never know where a good deal is going to be. So you, you like, exactly. like yeah, networking is a lifestyle. Networking is not something you do when you go and hand out business cards at some event with a suit on. Right? Yeah. Like, networking is everything you do everywhere you go, who you are. That's yeah. And you got to be open to, it's almost like I believe in the abundance mentality. So if I'm having a bad day, I, I'm, I'll say to myself, God, I got to give more. What could I do? You know? And when you're driving through these neighborhoods, if, let's say you're driving to work. You always take the same route. Don't do that. Take a different route. Keep your eyes open. Look around. You know, look at different houses and just go, huh, that might be a house I should call on. That is a really, really good piece of advice. I, uh, in over 80 something, we're 86 or 85 shows. We, I don't think we've heard that. Yeah. And I, I love that. That's a really, really good way to find new neighborhoods, find opportunities. So I have found so many deals by just driving around, taking a different route to work. Yeah. You know, it's amazing. Awesome. You know? And here's what I love about multifamily properties. And I think you'll probably find this as well is like when you're a multifamily investor, it's a different mindset because you're dealing with landlords more than you are with homeowners, which some people think that's a negative because you're not, you're dealing with more sophisticated people. But in these small multifamily space, which what I'm in and what you're in, I find that it's very easy to spot the troubled landlords, the ones that are exactly. tired and burnt. And there's so many of us, right? I mean, like yeah. there's so many landlords that just I mean, not that I'm hopefully not one of them, but so many of that <laughs> suck, right? That are really bad. I mean, every property I've ever bought almost has been a bank repo, almost everyone, or has been in foreclosure or about to be foreclosed on. They're all failed landlords. And I, I harp on that all the time. Why do so many landlords fail? Because they don't do the math right. They don't do the numbers. They don't look forward to things. They don't, they don't treat it like a business. So whatever, for whatever reason, people make mistakes. That's, and, and with small multifamilies, it's very, very evident. And uh, those people are usually willing to, to, to sell and to be creative in, in that selling. Exactly. So, yeah. I mean, I, I met a lady that was at the time, I think she was like 85. Her name was Myrtle and she sold me her fourplex. And I thought, you know, and I, I was really worried about this. I'm like, God, she's 85 and I don't know. So she, we we're having trouble coming up with the price. And finally I said, okay, let's just have an appraisal done. You have an appraisal done. I'll have an appraisal done. And sure enough, you know, we came to terms on it and she was the toughest negotiator I ever <laughs> met in my life. I mean, she was just brutal, but I was so happy I was able to buy that property because, nice. you know, she was tired. 
And her and her husband had it. They bought the property back in 1964. Wow. Yeah. And I bought it, you know, maybe 10 years ago. But they were buy and hold investors and they picked up the property, let's say, I don't know, $10,000 back in the 60s. Beautiful brick fourplex. And that, that took care of them in retirement. They did really well with that property. That's great. That's great. Buy and hold, buy and hold. Yeah. Uh, so, all right. So you've been doing this a long time. You know, you, you, you laughed when we talked about college towns. Surely you have a couple of fun stories. Let's, let, we'll, we'll keep them brief. What was, what was the craziest thing you've ever dealt with with a, with a tenant? Uh, okay. There was a text I received that said, holy crap, Corey, there's a shakedown going on. And <laughs> basically- Is Tony I Soprano pull, there? I pull up <laughs> to the property and the, it was a, my 13-unit multifamily. I had a lot of college kids in there along with some other people that I was trying to get rid of at the time. And the whole property is surrounded. There was a SWAT team, ATF, uh, the local police department, the sheriff. It was just, it was nuts. And I found out later on that the, um, these tenants I rented to that were from Mongolia actually weren't from Mongolia. And they, uh, they ended up being some really bad people. And that's before I was doing background checks. So gotcha. I was, wow. that was like wow. my worst one. Then I got a funny one where with college tenants, you get a lot of drama with roommates. Yep. So they'll call the landlord thinking they can solve it. Yep. And in one scenario, I had a girl that called me and said, look, I can't take it anymore. My roommate is having strange men over and you have to get rid of her. And so I said, well, it's not really a, a violation of lease to have friends over. And she goes, she's advertising on Craigslist and they're, <laughs> and they're coming over to lick her feet. <laughs> wow. That was like the, sh- the shoe fetish, fetish tenant. And so, and then I found out her, so that lady that complained that this poor college girl that was dealing with this, her dad was a district attorney down in St. Paul. Nope. And so I had to, I had to get rid of that tenant right away. I mean, it was just like the, you know, I got the district attorney calling me and I was like, oh God, this is ugly. <laughs> wow, that's wow. crazy. Okay, so wow. so so Brand- Brandon <laughs> never got busted. You didn't find out it was him. <laughs> okay, so so this brings up a good a good question, and then we, we probably gotta move on. But here I wanna know about when you rent to people who have multiple like college kids in a in a in a apartment, right? So let's say you rent a single unit. I mean, a two bedroom apartment. This happens to me because, like I said, I have a community college in my area. Right. We rent to probably I don't know twenty percent of our people are, are students. They move in together, two students together, and then they get in a fight or they get a problem or something happens, and one of them wants to move out. How do you handle that when it's like a two bedroom apartment that they rented together, and then now one of them wants to leave? Do you have them resign a new lease? Do you? I mean, no, nope, I don't let them move out. I don't care if the person's not living there. They signed a legal contract that says they're going to pay rent for the next 12 months. Mm. Now, what I have done to accommodate them, if they're pretty good tenants, is I'll say, hey, if your roommate will allow it, you can basically find a new person, but they have to approve of that person, the roommate that's staying there. You know, this person can't go on Craigslist and bring some creeper in there. And so I basically say, you both sign a lease, work it out. Otherwise... You know, in a lot of cases, I'll let the other person move in if they're acceptable, acceptable to it. But I had one roommate that said, no way. I don't care. They're going to pay rent for the next nine months, and I'm going to leave her by myself. And sure enough, they did. Do you, yeah, let, so. do you make them pay like one person in charge of actually writing the check, or do you let them each pay their half or their quarter? No, they, they each pay separately. I use a okay. program. I, I use Appfolio and this other program called okay. Paylease. Okay, so. cool. Yeah, I, gotcha. I, we've always made them do it. The other, we've always made them have one person be like the point of contact and then they right. make them. And what I found is it, it seems anyway that, that that their friend that they live with is a much bigger motivator than I am in getting them to pay rent. That's my theory. No, anyway. I do that with my frat house. The frat house, yeah. I point the housing manager and he has to collect all the rents. Yeah, gotcha. But all, all the other, you know, college rentals, I just, you know, they can each pay separately if they want. Yeah. What do you do then if one of them doesn't pay? Do you evict one? Do you threaten eviction on one of them? No, the whole everybody. So like Ooh, the whole, the whole there you go. Yep. So that's the motivation. They the yep, that's yeah, the motivation. that is motivation. Yep. Yeah, interesting. Okay, that's not a bad idea. And have have you have you had to? I'm, I'm assuming you have uh, enforced that a few times. You know, I've only been to court probably three times. 
No kidding. In housing court, it's just been, it hasn't been bad. Okay. Maybe I got lucky. I don't know. Yeah. Well, there you have it. Cool. Awesome. Um, well, our last question I want before we head to the fire round is what mistakes have you made in your investing? Like what, what have you done wrong or screwed up on or anything like that you can, that you can share that you do differently? Uh, in the beginning, I thought appreciation would bail me out. Oh, yeah. So I was buying properties that had, let's say a hundred a month, you know, 200 months of cash flow. And then I made all my projections at a 3% growth rate. I, you know, I wasn't projecting really high numbers, but you know, being a finance guy, I said, God, in 10 years, these properties are going to double, just like they say in the real estate books. Mm-hmm. And they didn't. And so I've still got three properties that are underwater, but fortunately, cash flow. Yeah. So, yeah. Gotcha. Well, kind of the same so way. you got to be really, I mean, you make all your money, you guys heard this, you make all your money going into the deal. Yeah. And real estate is not forgiving if you buy it wrong. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, I've got one last question myself. And, and that. You're a guy who manages 97 units by yourself. You have a couple of part-time guys. And clearly, you probably want to go away for vacation, you know, for a day, a week, um, you know, whatever. Um, what do you do? You know, what do you do when you're in Bahamas and one of your tenants calls saying their apartment's flooded, the roof's caved in, and, you know, the garage is on fire? I have them, um, you know, we do a Skype call and I say, talk to the hand, you know? No, I'm, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <Was that really? laughs> whoa, whoa, wow. Do not no. rent from this guy. <laughs> no, I've got my maintenance staff. Yeah. You know, and I just say, I give everybody the number and I say, look, call this guy if there's an emergency. Yeah. Now, you know, I was in Mexico for a week, yeah. you know, this year, and I was sitting by the pool and, you know, periodically, Josh, you're a business owner, so you know how it goes. You're going to get uh, a Google text or something that says, what should we do? And, but if you've got a good team in place, you know, you're not that important when you think about it. <laughs> you know, other people can figure out these problems. Yep. Yeah. Yep. You know, it's true. Yeah, so Josh, that's I would, what I do. I would tell Josh he needs to take more vacations. I would encourage that. So, you should. Yeah, Where are you going next? Yeah, because when I go away, <laughs> Brandon gets to play. I believe the, the irony <laughs> is every time, every time you're gone, it's always like the biggest, like bigger pockets weekend. If you like gone for the weekend, the, <laughs> the more you leave, the better the site does. And, All right. I'm out of here. Goodbye. <laughs> it's been fun. This is Josh Dorkin signing off. Yeah. The Bahamas. <laughs> yeah, baby. There you go. There you go. Uh, All right. Let's, All right. let's take this to the next, uh, next part of the All show, right. which is the. It's time for the fire round. All right, these questions all come straight from the Bigger Pockets forums, and we're gonna fire them at you just like you've heard all on right, here we go. eighty some podcasts. All right, number one, how do you find good team members like contractors, agents, etc.? I tell everybody um, I know. I don't care who I run into. I'm looking for this type of person, hmm, and hopefully, good. I can get a referral. There you go. Great. Let I, everybody I know and see what happens. Yeah, yeah. it can be. I'm at the dry cleaner, and I'll ask the dry cleaner, "Do you know anyone?" Yeah, and they make. You never know. Yep. Yeah, that's great. That's great. All right. Number two, long term, would you rather remain a landlord or flip house? Oh, we're not going to go there. That's, <laughs> that is not a fire round question. Gee, what's the answer to that one? <laughs> now, we, we, we know Corey's no, not a fan of flip house, house flipping. But, Josh, there's no flippers on the Forbes 400. Okay, uh, so let's get that straight. Oh, man. Ooh, so when all the flippers right can pile in on, that's right. on the show notes and beat Corey up, just be nice but a little isn't bit. Isn't Warren Buffett <laughs> on that list? Huh. Yeah, yeah. All right, let me get to my question. Stop it. <laughs> okay. All right, long term, would you rather remain a landlord or switch to 100% passive income via master leasing, note investing, some other type of passive, uh, quote-unquote, real estate investing? I mean, I listen, I call true real estate investing what you're doing. Everything else I still consider real estate investing, but like I don't, con- you know, if, unless you physically right. own property, you know, it's kind of a, a entity within the realm, right? You know, and someone pointed this out on the forum, you know, one of the flippers said, look, being a buy and hold is not passive. And I totally agree. It's yeah. a lot easier now than it was before. Yeah. But that's something I'm wrestling with. The most successful investors I know have kept all their properties, but put in a, a management team. Yeah. Or what do I do? I, maybe I'll 1031 exchange and go into some giant apartment buildings and just be a limited partner yep. you yeah. know, with, with a lead passive investor. Yeah. 
Yeah. Okay. So it's something you would consider it. I mean, I would consider at a certain point you get to like, eh, okay, this is a lot. Let me right. pare down. Okay. Right on. Cool. Cool. All right. What is your greatest technological aid in terms of your investment company, like an app or software or anything? Like what do you use technology in your business the most? I would say my property management software. So I currently use Appfolio. Okay. And I used to use Rent Manager, but I could not manage 97 units without a professional property management program. Yeah. It's, it'd be impossible. Yeah. That's something I need, just, I need to get still. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Final question. Do you think holding a single family is better or multifamily? Uh, clearly, you've been buying multis, uh, but why? I guess why? I mean, why, why not just buy a bunch of houses? It really depends on your goals and objectives. Bottom line is multifamily, I can create value. Single family, I can only create value one way. Yeah. And then I, there's a limit because of sales comps. Multi-value, I can go in and I can, you know, Ben Leibovich talks about this. You yeah. can increase the rents, lower the expenses, put in better tenants. Voila, you make $100,000 in instant equity. And you're talking about five plus units. You are not talking about four, four and under. No. Five plus. That's okay. my only focus now. I, yeah. I don't want any single family anymore. So would you buy duplexes still? No. So. Well, because you can't you can't change valuation based on you, you can't know, rate, even rate. and that's the thing. Even up to a fourplex, those yeah. darn fourplexes are still based on sales comps. Yep. Yep. You know. Yep. I agree. Yeah. Cool. There you go. There you go. Awesome. All right. Let's move on to the last segment of the show. Everyone's favorite, which we call the famous four. All right. Famous four. First question. I won't give up my day job. (laughs) (laughs) What is your favorite real estate book? I'm really having trouble with that one. And so I'm going to say the Gary Keller one, The Millionaire Real Estate Investor. Okay. Good book. There you go. Yeah. Cool. Right on. What about your favorite business book? Okay. Favorite business book would have to be, this is kind of a weird one, but it's Warren Buffett, Berkshire Hathaway. You go to the website. And I've read all their shareholder letters. Really? And you'll get an MBA in finance if you just read the shareholder letters going all the way back to the start of the partnership in the 1960s. Nice. It's just a walk through finance. It's amazing. That's awesome. And that guy is just, he's, he's spot on. Yeah. I've had a lot, a lot of people tell me the same thing. And, I've, it's and then it's Snowball. That's the list. Yeah. You know, I, in fact, I got that book right here. It's My cool. girlfriend got it from me. I got the best girlfriend in the world. She got me this book. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> nice. All right. Hobbies besides hanging out with your super cute girlfriend. What do you- oh, hobbies. I've got two uh, just crazy kids. They're so fun. 13 and 11. Nice. And then we, uh, we do paddle boarding. We, I'm a skateboarder, so I still longboard. You're skateboarding yeah, really- at 50. You're that guy. I love skateboarding. That's I was awesome. a skate punk in high school, you know, and... But I wouldn't wreck property like they do now. Right, so. right. So they, they <laughs> had some rock climbing, rock climbing, rock climbing and in the sixties, huh? Fifties, forties. Uh, try <laughs> the eighties, buddy. I had a bonsai board. Do you ever know what the bonsai was? Yeah, I think I had one too. <laughs> it was made out of aluminum. That thing had razor oh. sharp. Ends. Oh, I didn't have that. No. <laughs> yeah, we used to get in skateboard fights with those. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Wow. Awesome. All right. <laughs> That's awesome. All right, my final question for the day is what do you believe sets apart successful real estate investors from those who give up or fail or never get started? A good life. And what I mean by that is what gets in the way of a great life? A good life. I say that one day and I was like, God, that makes so much sense. You're happy. You're content. You've got an okay job. Why take on risks? All right. But if you want a great life, don't let the good life get in the way. Go out there and do something. Oh, very fancy. Very fancy. Awesome, man. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. I'm strong. I'm Tom Boo. You know who Tom Boo is? No. <laughs> no, don't go there. Don't go there. I will go there. All right. <laughs> Corey, it has been a pleasure. Where can people find out more about you or find you, you know, around online or anything like that? Uh, you know, just just use bigger pockets. Okay. Right on. Right on. Yeah. And that's, and that's if, the best. And of course, you'll be around on the show notes at biggerpockets.com slash show eighty six to answer any questions. And you know it. We definitely appreciate you coming on board. Thank you so much. Good luck to you as you continue to expand your entire empire of rental property and frat houses and whatever else it is you decide to pick up next. Only one one frat house is enough. All right. Never again. All right. All right. <laughs> cool, man. Well, listen. It's been a pleasure. Thanks so much. We'll see you around. All right. 
Thanks, guys. All right. Thank you, Corey. All right, everybody. That was show 86 of the Bigger Pockets podcast with Corey Binsfield. Big thanks to Corey for coming on the show. Uh, we really, really do appreciate it. Always something to learn on the show. What, what do you think, Brandon? I mean, I, yeah. this is 86 shows and, and there hasn't been one where I haven't walked away saying, wow, okay, I picked something up. I agree. I especially like today because, I mean, I am a multifamily investor. I love small multis. I love getting into larger ones. And uh, yeah, I think it's great. Corey's yeah. a bright guy. Yeah, for sure. For sure, for sure. Cool, cool. Well, guys, listen, we hope you enjoyed it. We hope you enjoy all our shows. If you haven't listened to any of the previous 85 or even selected previous shows, make sure to jump in and check them out. Also, if you are a listener and you have not yet left us a rating or review on iTunes, we would really, really appreciate it. We're getting close to 900 now with 30,000 plus listeners per show. Surely, there's 29,000 of you who can stop by and leave us a, a review, an honest review, some kind of feedback. Let us know. Let other people who might be willing to check out the show know uh, what it's all about. And that would be awesome. Thank you very much in advance for those of you who decide to do that. Otherwise, if you're not active on Bigger Pockets, jump in. We've got an amazing community and there's tons of activity, tons of good people to network with, learn from, connect with and do business with. So definitely, definitely jump on and get active and involved in the community at biggerpockets.com. Lastly, make sure to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, G+, LinkedIn, Pinterest. I don't know. What else is there? I don't know. Follow us everywhere. We're all over the place. And, and you know, come join us and uh, celebrate Bigger Pockets with all of us and be part of our world. Uh, so thank you very much. We appreciate it. And we will see you next week at Show 87. I'm Josh Dorkin, signing off. You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com, your home for real estate investing online. There's a reason small multifamily investing is so popular in the Bigger Pockets community. With just a 3.5% down payment, you can own up to four different units. Think about it. If you house hack and live in one of the units, you still have three different groups of tenants helping you pay down your mortgage every month, four kitchens and bathrooms you could renovate to increase your property value, four different Airbnbs, medium-term rentals, or other rental strategies that you can try in one property, all in just one transaction. Of course, the question is, where do you find a small multifamily property that you can actually afford? Which market and which deals are best for you? Once you close, how do you manage it, optimize it, keep scaling, and living your life without being tied down to four leaky toilets or four fussy tenants? All great questions, my friends. All to be answered in the upcoming Small Multifamily Bootcamp with Chris Lopez and Leka Devatha. So if you're serious about growing your portfolio with this highly efficient strategy, head to biggerpockets.com slash four, F-O-U-R. Today, and join us in the Small Multifamily Bootcamp. See you there. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all hosts and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. BiggerPockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.